Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. This is from Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's speaking to all the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth. May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs. How mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here's my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was the Holy One, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times passed by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream I had. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, Tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries, the tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with its beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree, destroy it, but leave the stump, 
bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times has passed by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty. And this is a decree the most high has issued against my lord, the kings. The king, you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that your prosperity will continue. All this happened in King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later. As the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my almighty power for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from the people and will live like a wild, like the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately. What had been said about King Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisor and noble sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Heavenly Father, we do ask now that you will bless the reading of your word. And as you always do, your spirit speaks. And I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pure and acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I think it was, it was probably the summer. It was definitely, it was a summer of 1993. I had just graduated from Lehigh University. Wonderful graduation service. And I think I was vacationing with my mom and dad on the coast of Southern Maine. And I was running on the beach I think I was, I had Natalie Merchant in my ear, the great, the great uh, 10,000 Maniacs anthem of that era, 1993. These are the days to remember when May is rolling over you with desire to be part of the miracle you see in every hour. Awesome. Full of possibilities, horizon, big as the ocean, heading off to seminary. So excited. 
Two months later, I was in my dorm room at Princeton Seminary crying out to God. Because you see, Hebrew was tearing me to shreds. I just was slow. Some people have a knack for languages, not me. Some people have a knack for learning foreign languages, not me. I went from being a high honors graduate of Lehigh University to feeling lower than a footprint intellectually every day. Some people were getting it so fast and I just wasn't getting it. It was really hard. I went to the professor. I said, hey, I'm really struggling with this. He said, he said to me, how much are you studying? I said, I think I'm studying about six to eight hours a day. He said, try studying nine to 11 hours a day. Well, of course, I think we were, he was probably aware that I was overestimating my study. He just was basically saying, work harder. Whew. I remember the end of that summer of 93, going to, to the late great Tom Gillespie, President Gillespie of Princeton Seminary, peace since died, but we went to Springdale, his house, the president's house on campus, and a bunch of us had done our Hebrew. I made it out with, I think I had a C minus. That's what I made it out with. And he said to us, wow, you guys must be feeling pretty righteous, you know, having done your summer Hebrew already. And I kind of thought to myself, dude, no way. I feel crushed. Yeah, I feel totally crushed. Well, life has a way of doing that. You know, you're soaring and then not. We maybe get thrown a curveball or maybe get hit by a pitch. (laughs) I don't know. This is what happens here with our king and there is a grace to it. I'm going to focus on our passage on Two graces I see in his fall. One is the grace of the warning. The second is the grace of the process. God speaks to us in the fall, whether we say God did it or God allowed it or whatever. God speaks in it. In this case, God speaks directly to our king. Well, he starts out effusively praising God. It's my pleasure to tell you the miraculous signs and wonders that the most highest performed. And here we get a little clue where his head's at. Perform for me. You know, maybe he's kind of me-centered already. You're kind of getting a clue. The king is still all about the king. Now, something's happened to him. This is the same guy who put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. And yet, he's maybe not quite the same guy. But he's also in process yet. And maybe you know someone like this. They were really against God at one point, but then something shifted and they're in the process of that shift. And you know, it usually doesn't happen at once, does it? It doesn't for really any of us, if we're honest. We Presbyterians like to say God's grace works steadily. God is steady, Freddy. So some traditions, you know, when were you saved? You got to find that moment when you were saved and where you stood up and And it's all about that moment. It's all about the moment. In the Presbyterian, more Reformed tradition, our Protestant Reformed tradition, we tend to see it not being all about a process leading up to a moment. We tend to see it as a string of moments that are part of a process. This is our king here. God's grace works steadily through moments in the process of changing us. King Nebuchadnezzar has a moment. 
but he's still in process. And aren't we all? Now, it's all too human, as we are so human, it's an all too human tendency in our lives to allow what we surround ourselves with to displace God in some way, shape, or form. Our schedules can displace God. Even our concerns about our health or our family can become bigger than God. Money can become bigger than God. Certain relationships can become bigger than God. None of these things are bad in and of themselves. In fact, they're all kind of things we're built for, but they aren't God. None of these things can be the shelter that God is. And yet we can tend to make them into that. Whether or not I was snuggled in bed with Jill and we were just feeling cozied up in our awesome house. It is fall after all. Heat's coming up. Comforters are coming up. We're getting to snuggle up more. And we're cozied up. And then it hit me. We live in an earthquake zone. What if one hits tonight? Wouldn't that be unfortunate? Unfortuamente, right? To be snuggled. Now we have to go out there in the cold and deal. My goat bag's not ready. I have nothing right. What am I going to do? Well, on one hand, it's not fun to imagine. I think I forget what Joe's reply was, but it was sort of like, okay. <laughs> so I think we prayed. And see, this is the thing. I said a little prayer, and this is the thing. This is the grace because that moment where I imagine that vulnerability is a grace because it takes me to prayer. It calls me to trust in God. That's the grace of living in an earthquake country. That we ultimately have to trust in God more than our shelter. Nebuchadnezzar tells us, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous, snuggled up on an autumn night. You get it? I had a dream that made me afraid. He's content, and then his contentment is interrupted. But in the interruption, here comes the grace. Wait for it. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Kind of like thinking of the big one in the Northwest. Okay, so what does he do? He gets help. Calls in his crew, like his team therapist, is kind of his court diviners to figure everything out. They can't do it. They don't know what it means. Then comes Daniel. And Daniel, we get a clue here um, as Daniel comes in that, again, King Nebuchadnezzar isn't quite there yet because he gives Daniel the name Belteshazzar, which he says is after the name of my God. Verse 8. So we learn that the king is responding to Daniel's spiritual insights from within his own spiritual worldview. Becoming a true follower of God is taking King Nebuchadnezzar some time. He's in process. And again, that's true for new Christians. That's true for all of us. We are all people in progress. But God's grace works steadily. We are all in transition, but we don't birth ourselves it's God who really does the work, and God is steady, Freddy, in his grace. Even through sudden nighttime thoughts that freak us out, even in dreams that freak out a king, God saves us, is saving us. Listen. So the king tells Daniel the dream. There's this big, impressive tree, a tree that shelters beasts and feeds all the creatures, kind of like your 401k or your 
awesome relationship in your life that you're excited about or, you know, a great job, your dream job, right? These things can get really huge really quick. Oh, it's going wonderful. Then comes the messenger, a watcher, and the watcher, probably an angel, calls out, cut it down, trim it, scatter it, let the animals flee from it. So the king's shelter, the king's identity in which he's been taking shelter, the thing that's displacing God gets chopped. That's a grace. We'll get to that in a minute. Only the tree stump remains to be drenched with the dew of heaven. And we get this transition in the text where the trump is called him. Trunk is called him. So we know it refers to the king. And then the point in verse 17, here's the main idea. That the living, this is all done that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all the kingdoms of men. The dream is, in fact, about the fact that God rules. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is probably oblivious at this point. It may not be obvious to him, but we can sort of see what's going on there. He asked Daniel to interpret it for him. Daniel is really terrified of it. He tells him anyway, the tree is you. You're the tree. You'll be driven. You'll eat grass. It's going to be a while. Seven times will pass. Uh, You're going to leave the, God's going to leave the stump there. That's you. It means you'll be restored. Now look, turn away. Renounce your sins. Get right with God. Maybe this will continue. So the king right, right then, right, gets it, right? And, and all is good. No. It says later, I love the text. It says one year later, the king's walking around on his deck. You know, with people in our lives who are seeking leave to God and with us, it sometimes takes a while. We are all people in process. God's grace works steadily and God is committed to remake us. Doesn't sound like God's in too big of a hurry with Nebuchadnezzar. But they get there. They get there. It takes them a year. Note to self when praying for your loved ones. Note to self when we're ignoring that nudge that God's given us. God's going to stay after you. God's going to stay after you. Note to us thinking about our loved ones. God's going to stay after them. God's got to move in God's time and God can get our attention just like he's about to get Nebuchadnezzar's attention. It's a grace. Walking on the roof of his royal palace in Babylon, he says, is this not the great Babylon I have built for this myself as a royal residence by my mighty power? Isn't it great to have my 401k? Oh, I'm just, wow, I'm set. Oh man, I, I'm in my dream job right now. What wonderful things that can become godlike so easily because we just tend to do that. Well, God intervenes. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed. Your royal authority has been taken away from you. You will be driven away from people and will live like the wild, with the wild animals. And immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. You think that got his attention? <laughs> Everything changes. He loses it all fast. And yet there is a grace for him here. God doesn't destroy him. God disrupts what Nebuchadnezzar has allowed to displace him in order to bring Nebuchadnezzar back to himself. Say that again. 
God doesn't destroy Nebuchadnezzar. God disrupts what Nebuchadnezzar has allowed to displace him in order to bring Nebuchadnezzar back to him. As I think about King Nebuchadnezzar's geopolitical rule cut down to size in this text, I can't help but think about the state of our nation. No matter what your political presuppositions, probably everyone can agree that we are in a mess right now. We are a mess right now in our country. And I think you can point to instances of animal-like behavior on both sides of the political aisle. Just Google that. It's as if the tree of our democracy is being chopped down to size. It's as if you're saying, you know, we got to love the founding fathers. I'm a history buff. Love them all. Jefferson, uh, Franklin, uh, Adams, you know, awesome, awesome. But they can't really be our ultimate shelter. There's only one. Even our democracy is vulnerable. Our democracy cannot displace God. The Vox Populi, the voice of the people, cannot displace God. It is just not that reliable. I think our tree of our democracy is being chopped down to size. And I believe that's perhaps God's grace to us at this moment. And maybe we need to respond not with a chance of take back our country for Jesus. Because that ambition can become a distraction. Maybe we need to respond by asking God to take back our hearts for him. Each of us. So that we trust in God more than any earthly shelter we can make. Even these places where we can win culture wars or win battles or get lost. Not against that. Not, I mean, all for that. We've got to have those debates. We've got to engage, be salt of the earth. But you better not trust in that more than you trust in God. It can't hold it. That's why we gather weekly here to look up and remember who's really in charge to remember what our true shelter is, not the trees we grow, not the 401k, as fun as it is that we have, not even the best dream job in the world, not even the best relationships in the world can displace God. They can't do it. They can't hold it. They will collapse. We have here a grace of God showing us that if we start to lean on those things like we can only lean on God. We're going to find they break. At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. Not, I conquered more lands to prove that God was in charge, right? I praised God in my relationship with him. I was restored in my heart, remembering who's in charge. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Well, what we fear losing, what we lose in bad times, the pitches that hit us or the swings and the misses or whatever metaphor you want to use, all of that is an opportunity to look to God again, to trust him again with it all. It's the grace of living in earthquake country. And it is. It is a grace. Trust God more than your structures. It's the grace of living in turbulent economic times. Trust God more than, one, more than your 401k. It's the grace of daring to have kids in this wild world. Trust God with your children because he belongs to them more than to us anyway. It's the grace of living in an age even when our democracy has cracks in it. Trust God more than our any political party or system. Yes, work and engage all those things. But with regularly renovated hearts that remember where our shelter really is. Lord, help us to look up. 
Renovate our hearts that they may be devoted to you alone more than even our best earthly shelters. And as we pray that and as we live that through us, God will change the world and our sanity will be restored. May it be so for you and for me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen.